This podcast is brought to you by the good people over at Gamefly. With over 9,000 titles for the PS4, PS3, Xbox One, Xbox 360, Nintendo Switch, Wii, and other consoles, there's no better time for gamers to make the most of their systems by using Gamefly to play all the new and classic games for as little as 32 cents a day. To start your 30-day free trial, head on over to cinemageekly.com slash Gamefly or click the support us link in the show notes for this episode. Listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. You offered me a car. You offered me money. You offered me 49% ownership in Inner Circle LLC. But Chris. I don't want any of it. I can't be bought. I came to AEW to dominate, to run roughshod over professional wrestling, and that is why my answer is yes. What? What the? It was there, man. It was a hell of an offer. I forgot one final thing. Chris, my friend, I was just kidding. What? I would never join the inner circle. What? It's a stupid group. You have nothing that I want. Except for that. Oh! Oh, you spread the bottle of champagne over Jericho's head. And the paradigm shift of the show beyond. Sammy's just got piles driven out of his boots. John Moxley has duped Jericho in the inner circle. John Moxley owns a, the most expensive car in America. Yes! It's a brand new episode of the Elita Cinema Geekly's AEW Podcast. It's Anthony Lewis, Nick Montez, and we are back to talk more Dynamite on TNT. Uh, It's their 14th episode, the second episode of uh, the new year. And I, you know what, man? I don't know. I like this show less than last week. I don't know. How about you? Really? Yeah, I, I thought last week's episode was way better than this episode. Oh man, I had so much fun with this episode. I thought it was a blast. Yeah, I uh, I enjoyed last week in the ring way way more. I think last week had better matches in the ring, and I also thought they did way less of the story stuff that I hate, which they did, and they brought all of that back for, for this week. Most of it contained to one segment, but. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about it. So, 
the episode kicks off with a recap of the big angles from last week. And then we go straight into our opening bout, Hangman Page and Kenny Omega against Private Party. Uh, they also have Dave Brown on commentary. They're honoring Memphis legends, although that did not air on television. Uh, apparently, it's something they did for AEW Dark uh, that will be on this week. By the way, speaking of AEW Dark, um, it was a short episode this last week. It was only 30, 32 minutes, I think, altogether. Usually, it's about an hour long. Uh, but they seem to be cutting the control center portion of AEW Dark out and uploading that as a separate thing. And uh, they also taped a tag team match with Billy Gunn and his kid against two people, but they did not air that on Dark. So Dark only had three matches, and the whole show is only about uh, 30 minutes. And I think there was a match on there that was... That would be worth watching, but I don't remember. I think it was a six-man with S. Yeah, it was SCU against the Hybrid Two and Kip Sabian, and uh, that was a fun match. But otherwise, uh, nothing to really go out of your way to see. Uh, anyway, uh, the Babyface Tag Team start. Well, there's a, both of them are Babyface Tag Team, so it's just Babyface Tag Team wrestling here, Nick. Uh, they're just uh, exchanging holds. And being uh, very polite to one another. Uh, then I note here, the crowd gets quiet, and I can hear what sounds like a very large fan running. Were you able to notice this when you're not wearing headphones? Yeah, I did. So you could hear it too? I say could. Oh my god. Uh, also, uh, Mr. Brown, the extra commentator, he was very quiet. Uh, but not his fault. Apparently his mic was low. Uh, private party has control on hangman page. Momentum changes as pages being, uh, so there's a momentum change here in favor of hangman page, but I thought he was being subtly heel. I don't know if you caught this, but there would be times where he would sort of just shove the other member of private party on the apron, like little things where he seems like he's being kind of a prick. And I think they're, Slowly teasing a, a heel turn for him, but oh, big time! You could definitely see that uh, they're working that storytelling during the match. Mm-hmm. Uh, hot tag to Mark Quinn, who does all of the dives. Four fifty splash for a near fall, <laughs> and then I just get frustrated. Dave Brown's quiet. This fan is really loud, and I just write, "Why does AEW always have audio mixing problems?" And then it's not. No sooner did I type this, Nick. They fixed it. They leveled it out. The fan became quiet. I could hear the crowd mostly again. Uh, and I could also hear Dave Brown on commentary. Hot tag to Kenny Omega. Series of double teams, which ends in a V-trigger for a two. Uh, Private Party hit the silly string on Omega for a two. Um, we get the first of many miscommunication spots between uh, Paige and Omega. There's a bunch of these close calls where they screw up and it could have cost them the match, but... Ultimately, it doesn't. They hit gin and juice on Kenny, but it is barely broken up by Hangman Page. Uh, the finish sees a buckshot lariat V-trigger sandwich on Mark Quinn. And uh, Kenny hits the one-winged angel on him for the win. Minus the audio problems, Nick. Uh, what did you think of the opener? 
I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was a great match with great storytelling, really teasing mm-hmm. up the Hangman Page heel turn. Because uh, I, I agree with you. I think that's definitely something they're. I don't know if they're going to go through with it, but it's definitely something that they're planting seeds for all throughout this match. He seemed really upset that Kenny got the win in the match, mm-hmm. and he. I, I think I'm just a big fan of anything with Private Party in it because they're becoming a favorite of mine. Mark Quinn's a, a freak as far as an athlete goes. I think he did four dives in a row. Um, yes, yeah, on the alternating between Omega and Page. Yes, just amazing. Um, I wrote down that I like the drop salt that he did at the beginning of the match to Hangman Page. That was really cool too. Um, I uh, gave this match three and a half stars. I liked it a lot. Yeah, me too. I also gave this three and a half stars. This was my uh, this is probably my favorite match on the show in ring wise. Uh, I thought both teams worked really well together, and uh, yeah, I like what they're doing with Private Party. They're they're keeping them uh, relevant. They keep looking good, but they're losing to more experienced wrestlers. Even though Kenny and Hangman Page are not a team team, they have teamed together quite a few times, and uh, they do have the experience edge. So even though they suffered some miscommunication, they still won. And uh, slow burn on this Hangman Page uh, turn, if it ever, if the trigger ever, in fact, gets pulled on it. Uh, Heading over to Grapple, uh, the community so far, 3.39. So they did not like it quite as much as you and I did, but we're in the ballpark, I think, on that one. Uh, After that, uh, we see, uh, well, they're still in the ring, Kenny and Hangman are. When Pac appears on the screen, he appears to have Michael Nakazawa in the Brutalizer. And uh, while people are trying to rip him off, he's yelling at Kenny while he's got this hold on and says that this is going to keep happening until he gets his rubber match. And uh, Kenny tries to go to Michael Nakazawa's aid. I presume that was supposed to be Nakazawa, right? I We never actually yeah, saw his face. I'm pretty certain it was supposed to be Nakazawa, definitely. Yeah. Uh, up next, we get Riho defending her AEW Women's Championship against Chris Statlander. Before we get into that match, did you uh, see what happened during the uh, during the uh, I guess the commercial break? I did not know. Was there something of importance? Okay. Obviously, at the end of the match, he tells or Hangman tells Kenny to go after him and save him, and he just kind of hangs out in the ring. He's walking through the crowd, grabbing beers from fans. Yes. <laughs> and just getting drunk, and I I noticed a very clever sign. Somebody wrote "Hangover Page" on there, so they're really playing up the <laughs> Hangman is drunk storyline. <laughs> yes. Like well, look his uh, his Chiron for this week, his lower third graphic said, "Not gonna pay private party that twelve dollars." Because he came, because a course in the segment where he said that he was going to kick their ass last week while drinking, he came back and took one of their drinks and drank it. And he's like, man, you got to pay for that. That's 12 bucks. <laughs> so they're continuing that joke and is uh, in his like lower third graphics. It's uh, not that he's turning heel. It's that the alcohol's doing it for him. I'm yes. Alcohol <laughs> is the real heel. Oh, this is the Bucks promotion, and they're good Christian boys. Alcohol's evil. <laughs> yes, yes, that's what's happening right here. He is being corrupted by the dark side of the Force. Uh, so yeah, Rio, uh, Riho and Statlander for the Women's Championship. I was very excited for this match, Nick. Uh, hmm. I was really looking forward to this, and it felt like we might be getting 
a title change here because they went to all of this trouble to have uh, Nyla Rose splash Riho through a table last week, presumably hurting her for this match. So it felt like they were going to set up uh, a possible title change while also protecting Riho, but then all of my dreams were shattered into a million billion infinity pieces because Brandy Rhodes is on commentary and it's really annoying. Yes. Like, not in a, oh, I really hate her kind of way. More in like a and maybe, I don't know, we'll talk about it a little bit more later, but this made me not enjoy anything. She was burying everything, dude. She was just like, I don't even know why I'm out here. This match is so boring. I'm like, well, why are you out here? And then she's like, well, because you invited me. <laughs> I'm like, what? What the fuck is happening? Anyway, uh, she was also distracting from the match early on. Uh, just talking about shit while these two women are going at it. Just complaining about whatever. Nothing related to the match. Um, I try to now note that Statlander is trying to overpower Rio, but Rio is, for the most part, outquicking her. Uh, nothing of note really happens as they go into a picture-in-picture break. Statlander has control during the whole break. Uh, we come back from the break, and Statlander misses a moonsault. Riho with a Northern Lights suplex for a two. Uh, Statlander hits her with a stalling superplex from the middle rope. Uh, this is a double down, though, not a pin attempt. Uh, so they're both down. Uh, at, at this point, I just wrote, Brandy being really fucking annoying. Maybe it's her cadence? <laughs> like, the way she speaks is highly annoying. But not in a way that I want to see her get punched. It's like, I don't want to hear it. Like, can I hit mute? Can I change the channel? It's it's not annoying in that way. It's unnaturally fake sounding, if that makes sense. Like um, she's playing a character and not being herself. Yeah, people, people were pointing out, like, hey, do you remember before Fight for the Fallen, that babyface promo that Brandy did about her figure skating background and like how real that all felt and emotional. And it was so good. Like what happened to that? And I'm like, well, because that was her telling her, her real story with real emotions attached to it. And this is her playing a super villain on a CW DC show. Like that's what this is. You know, they're like, Hey, why Tony Schiavone tries to like, let us learn something. They're like, Hey, why do you cut people's hair? And then essentially Brandy's like, well, we haven't written an answer for that. And I don't know what the answer is for that. So I'll just say, why does Excalibur have a mask on? And I'm like, why are we talking about any of this bullshit? And this goes on for so long. She's like, do you shower with that mask on? Do you ever take it off? I'm like, who fucking cares? There's a match going on. It's important. It's for the women's championship. Anyway, things get better as Awesome Kong and Mel, which is apparently Melanie Cruz's new name. She is a Spice Girl. Uh, They come out. They interfere, but Statlander wipes them both out with suicide dives. Then just argues with Brandy Rhodes for a while. Like, they're just out there arguing while Dr. Luther interferes. And, (laughs) look, Nick, I... You watch way more deathmatch stuff than I do. But I am relatively certain Excalibur calling Dr. Luther a Japanese deathmatch legend is a bit of a stretch oh he's not like he's not june kasai he's like i think there's one or two uh deathmatch legends from japan that people might think of before they think of dr luther 
Yeah, I I think that was a poor poor way to bring him in because yeah, when you like you said, Japanese legends, June Kasai, Onita, someone like that. Onita, um, or oh my god, Onita for Christ's sakes, yes. Yeah, uh, Doctor Luther. I saw a few people online say, "Am I supposed to know who Doctor Doctor Luther is?" Because yeah, I have no idea. I didn't know who he was either. I was like, he looks like a creepy man. That's this it. is this is a big fault of AEW that they keep doing this. And I know Excalibur knows everybody from everywhere. Uh, but I saw a lot of posts that were like, it's Dr. Luther. It's the butcher, the blade and the bunny. Like nobody knows who this is. Like you can't introduce them like this. Uh, and of course he couldn't really introduce Dr. Luther in a way that would explain, like he had to make up something. He had to be like the Japanese death. He couldn't be like Chris Jericho's friend whom he got a job. Like he couldn't say that. So whatever. Uh, anyway, Riho has a, has a moment to jump on, uh, Chris Statlander, but she doesn't. She instead dives onto Luther instead. Uh, she gets back into the ring and grabs Chris Statlander and gets her in a leg capture cradle for a two. Uh, Statlander picks her up in a gorilla press, but Riho reverses this into a crucifix bomb for a two. Hits her with a, uh, Statlander hits her with a spinning Michinoku driver for a two. Goes for the Big Bang Theory, but Awesome Kong trips Statlander, and Riho falls down on top of her to get the pin. What did you think of this? It was a big disappointment. This was probably the lowest part in the show for me. Um, I was so excited for this match. I thought these two would have some great chemistry, and maybe they do, but... I do think, like you said, the commentary detracted from it, all the bullshit story that was going on. Like, if it's a good story, it's going to enhance the match. Yes. But no one knows what the hell is going on with Brandy. Um, no. It is just disappointing. Like, I did think they did some cool stuff, like Statlander catching Riho out of the 619 and slamming her. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was really cool. I thought um, the crucifix bumps uh, out of the gorilla press was cool. There was lots of, like, not lots, but there were cool moments in the match. It just of the wrestling, so much distraction. Yes, of the wrestling, I and, liked what I saw. Mm-hmm. But wrapped up in this this crappy package. Yeah, there was. Oh my god, was it surrounded by so much stuff? The, there's there's too many factions running around. There's too much recruiting. There's you know. Thankfully, they didn't try to recruit Statlander on this episode. Weirdly enough, though, they were just like, the last time we saw Brandy, she was like, we still want you, Statlander. And like here, they're like, are you still trying to recruit her? And they're like, no. I felt like she changed her opinion as over the course of the match because it seemed like during the first half she was interested. And then when they asked her that, it's like, oh, you're not interested all of a sudden? I don't know what's happening. Her faction is weird. Really weird. And I don't know. Uh, the best thing about their faction so far is Melanie Cruz got into the ring afterwards and hit a leg drop on Riho that looked very good. That's the best thing I've seen from the Nightmare Collective thus far. Uh, I thought this was overbooked. Man, was this overbooked. And I, I, I guess the idea here was that Chris Statlander, they didn't want to put the belt on her yet, but they also wanted to not make her look bad in defeat or something, so they wanted some sort of excuse. 
this is not what I was hoping AEW is going to be. This is not the kind of stuff I want to watch. I want to watch this stuff. I'll go watch Raw. But Mm -hmm. I stopped watching Raw and SmackDown five years ago because, in part, of stuff like this. This is not what I want. Uh, I know it's a circus. I know uh, there's something for everybody. But there's quite a bit of this stuff going on. And eh, I don't know. Uh, what, did, what did you give the match, Nick? This was tough for me to grade because I thought what I, what was happening in the ring I liked, but it's it wasn't part of the whole presentation. I, got, I have to look at the whole, everything involving this match. So uh, what did you give Riho and Statlander? I, I changed my rating on this a little bit because I actually I went back and watched it again to see how I felt about it. Yeah. And um, I ended up going down just... <laughs> <laughs> just uh, half a uh, half a star here, okay. uh, or not half a star, but a quarter star here. I gave it two and a quarter star because I liked what I saw in the ring, mm-hmm. and there's great potential there. I just want to see them actually have a match, though. Like, take all the BS around it, get rid of it, give us this on pay-per-view, yeah. and let us see what they can actually do. And yeah. give them a little more time, too. Uh, I generously went with two and a half because this wasn't their fault. They tried really hard on the ring, but everything else is surrounding it just didn't work. Grapple felt uh, less kind. 1.96, not even a 2. So, wow. I mean, close to a 2, but not even a 2. Post, Yeah, so post-match, uh, they attempt to continue this beat down, but Hikaru Shida, Big Swole, and Sunny Kiss run in. Although I don't think I ever saw Sunny Kiss on camera. Although maybe I was too busy taking notes, but I don't actually recall seeing him. They said he was out there, though. Uh, now, yeah, only li- for like a brief second. Like you could see them for like half a second. A little bit of character building here. They, Sheeta and Britt Baker were at ringside, and Sheeta looked to be paying close attention to this match, while Britt looked very unhappy to be here. She would rather be in this match as opposed to sitting at ringside. And then when everybody was getting beaten down and Sheeta ran in to make the save. Britt just stayed there and then she got up and then walked off. So a heel turn at some point, or perhaps she's already turned uh, for Britt Baker. Uh, Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford video profile. Jim Ross thinks Penelope Ford is hot. I mean, you know, you heard what he said. You know what he meant. Old horn dog Ross. Oh yeah. (laughs) Uh, Christopher Daniels against Sammy Guevara was up next. Uh, Daniels using his veteran prowess to beat up Sammy Guevara early on, but Sammy hit, gets a cheap shot, allows him to gain the advantage, and he beats on Daniels for quite a bit. Uh, Christopher Daniels makes a comeback, hits the Blue Thunder Bomb for a two, tries for the Angels' wings, but it is countered. Sammy hits a running shooting star press for a two count. Uh, Christopher Daniels then looks like he's going to go for the best moonsault ever, when Pentagon Jr. distracts him by daring him to do the move. Like, prove to me you can do this, old man. Although, Pentagon did not, again, clarify this clearly enough for people. So, mm-hmm. instead it was just... I mean, I know what he was getting at, but I don't know how many people got it. And they, play, they played, like, video footage before the match of the botch, didn't they? Uh, did they? Maybe they did. Certain they did because they were using that to play off of. It is kind of a weird distraction though, where he's just like, "Prove you can do it to me." Like, what happens if he does it? Is Pentagon going to be like, "Oh, all right, good for you," and then walk off? Yeah, (laughs) I guess I'm wrong. 
Like, this is kind of a weird setup for a feud, but... Uh, Sammy hits him with a kick and wins. Uh, before we talk about the post-match, what did you think of Christopher Daniels and Sammy Guevara? Before the interference, this match was slapping. Um, I loved seeing Daniels out there showing he can still do it and at a high level. And Sammy is an excellent athlete. Like, together, I thought these two were doing great stuff before the story had to roll in. Um, So much so that I said I would love to see this match again. Just once again, story getting in the way. I think that was uh, the theme for these two matches Mm -hmm. back-to-back. I gave it three stars overall just because I thought the athleticism was really up there. And uh, I just... I really want more, and I I don't know where they're going with this storyline either. I guess yeah. it's going to lead to... Wouldn't it be a shame if this is all supposed to lead to Daniels hitting the move on Pentagon, and then he botches it again anyways? Wouldn't that oh, funny? that would be awful. Uh, yes. Well, um, <clears throat> I was close to you. I gave it two and three quarters. I, I didn't think it quite went long enough, and the finish was weird. It kind of hurt it a yeah. little bit. Uh mm-hmm. Grapple went 2.51, even less impressed than you or I. So Grapple hard on the show this week. Uh, post-match, the Dark Order comes out, and they try to recruit Christopher Daniels. Uno tells him that Daniels is an inspiration to him, and in some ways he's the reason dark, uh, that the Dark Order and Evil Uno, he is who he is today because of Christopher Daniels. Uh, and he says that he can bring him back to prominence wants him to join Dark Order. The crowd is chanting SCU. And Uno's trying to, to tell him that SCU is a thing of the past. Daniels, of course, declines him, and they swarm him and beat him up. SCU and the Bucks make the save. Dark Order get run off. Uh, I thought this was better than not only the last angle on this show, which was the uh, uh, Nightmare Collective stuff, but this was also better, I think, than the last time they did a Dark Order thing. Uh, on Dynamite. That being said, I still uh, wait to see how it plays out, but it is still not lighting the world on fire. But I thought this was fine. The angle. Yeah, I, thought, I thought the Dark Order stuff was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying to make them seem like a threat and, mm-hmm. you know, coming out there like they could really get anyone. Like you catch someone on just one bad day and there you go, you got another recruit. I wish it wasn't. I don't think I wish this was on the same show with what happens later, because I feel like there's a lot of copying going on in this show, but I still thought it was really cool. Yes. Uh, up next, Lucha Brothers against the Brotherhood, Cody and Dustin Rhodes. Uh, great reversal exchange and an early standoff at the beginning of the match. Uh, Cody turned away and ate a super kick uh, from Phoenix, and that gave the Lucha Brothers control. Dustin gets in, but they quickly gain the advantage on him as well, going into a picture-in-picture break where Dustin gets worked over uh, during that whole break. Uh, He mounts a desperation comeback, awkwardly doesn't make a hot tag, only to then eventually make the hot tag to Cody. I don't know if you saw this, but maybe Phoenix was out of position, but Dustin is literally on his feet. Nobody is around him, and he's just walking like a zombie over to Cody, and then like his legs give out or something. Like, he can't make the hot tag yet because somebody's mm-hmm. out of position. Uh, it looked really silly to me. But he did make the tag eventually. Cody gets in. Crossroads is blocked. Pentagon hits a just a gross-looking Pentagon driver on Cody Rhodes. Almost dumped him on the top of his head. Maybe did. Um, 
Dustin in, gives a Canadian destroyer to Phoenix, uh, Cody Cutter on Pentagon, and the Reckoning on Phoenix for the win. Uh, we'll talk about the post-match here real quick, too, I guess. Post-match, uh, Tony Schiavone wants to get an answer from Cody about uh, the MJF stipulations, and Arn Anderson steps in and says that he is not pleased with these stipulations. He does not know who MJF thinks he is or who made him God. Says that Cody wants this match, though, and they're going to talk about it and get back to us, presumably next week. Uh, so what did you think of the match, Nick? Oh, I thought the match was a lot of fun. I actually wrote in my notes at one point that I was forgetting to take notes just because I was having a blast watching this. Um, mm-hmm. I thought Pentacon looked badass as a skeleton. Uh, yes. <laughs> I felt like uh, they were playing up Arn's coach role a little bit more. Like when they first come out, he's giving Cody advice and puts like the piece of paper over the mouth so you can't see what he's saying. Yes. Um, Get the knees he also- up, he's saying. Exactly. Remember those knees, son. Yes. Um, he also was interference in the match to take the chair away from uh, Phoenix, so that was kind of cool. Yep. Um, it, it makes sense that Cody has someone out there because he always had MJF in his corner, and maybe that's what uh, Arn's role is. He's like, kid, you're making a lot of stupid decisions. Let me help you out. You're not allowed to talk anymore. I'm going to talk for you. Yeah. Um, I think my favorite spot of the match was the running tightrope kip uh, from Phoenix to awesome. Cody. That was really cool. Um, and Dustin doing a destroyer to me is just always impressive. Always um, funny. I, I it's all it's funny to me for some reason. I don't know why, but I chuckle every time he does it. I I think it's just because you know, like I remember when Gold Dust debuted. Like I remember the natural Dustin Rhodes from WCW Saturday Night, and it's just. To this, it'll never. I mean, I said it last week. It, it'll never not be amazing to me that that guy does a flipping pile driver now because he can. Because like all the people he do it to, like does it to, like they do it all the time. So like every time he, he's done it twice now, and they both look awesome. But it's just crazy <laughs> to me that he does it like at all. I think it's hilarious. I know it's definitely not something you'd expect to be in his repertoire at this age. But he's trying to show you those old dogs can learn new tricks. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, um, I gave this one three and three quarter stars. I loved it. I thought it was a blast to watch, and I got really caught up in it. Um, I really like this match too. I think it maybe went a little short for my liking. I'm not sure what it was. Uh, it didn't fully like. I liked this match. I thought it was fun as well. But I went three and a quarter. Uh, okay. I enjoyed it quite a bit. And uh, now I'm expect. I mean, we haven't gotten to it yet, but. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll mention it later. I don't. Maybe I don't. I don't want to spoil it for this early in the review. So maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll save it for a little bit later in the review when it actually uh, when it actually happens. But uh, Grapple gave this one uh, a three point three. I guess they yeah they liked it about three and a quarter uh, as well. Uh, what was after that? We got oh Alex Marvez is with Leapin' Lanny Poffo. Oh, yeah. And they plug AEW Dark, and Lanny puts AEW over. Um, there were no, unfortunately, there was no poetry or rhyming. But No, that bummed me out, and he called AEW a great product. I was like, <laughs> it just seemed like he got excited and didn't know what to say. Like I was like, promotion, buddy. Don't, I want to know, be a part of this great product. Yes. Uh, MJF comes out for a promo, calls Cody a coward, says he'll give him to the count of ten to face him. DDP instead comes out. 
DDP gives himself a long intro. Crowd chants yoga, which he must have been very happy about. Excalibur wondering if he's paid for this promo time. Uh, (laughs) MJF is literally checking Twitter because he tweets during this. Uh, You can go on his timeline and see. Um, Because this was weird because DDP just was going on. He can't even believe he's here. Fans have been wondering if he's going to come back to have one more match. MJF mocks him. Gets in his face. DDP's going to beat his ass, but he backs off. And then he calls out the Butcher, the Blade, and the Bunny for backup. And then he gets real tough. Now that he's got all this backup. He's got Wardlow behind him. He's got these two tough guys. And he's got Allie in a costume with high heels on. Which is not of much help. But, well, she actually, she proved to be of some help, I suppose. He says that D- the average age of DDP's fans are dead. Their average age is dead, Nick. <laughs> really old. I thought that was really fucking funny. Really old. Their average age <laughs> is dead. Not alive. Um, <laughs> says that, and then ba- and then literally says he's going to take his diamond daughters and take them into bed. And he's going to make them feel the bang. And DDP <laughs> is pissed. He attacks all of these fools. He gives them all diamond cutters when Allie gets in his face. And uh, this allows MJF to kick him in the dick. And uh, officials come out to break this up before they can uh, go wild and, and pummel DDP into dust. Uh I think DDP, like, hung along with... I mean, look, the crowd was into everything he said, so I can't knock it too hard here, but there's a lot of filler in the middle of this. Like, it started out strong, uh, and then the DDP thing was interesting until he kept going and going and going, and then it dipped. And then once MJF finally got back on the mic, it really picked back up again. And uh, I really enjoyed it, even if I'm not entirely sure I'm so happy about the end result, which we learn about later. But what did you think of this segment? I thought DDP went on for way too long. He, I, at one point I'm like, is he drunk or is he? Yeah. Like why is he talking about? Yeah. What did he have? a Did he have a promo segment scheduled as well? And they just, they're just mashing them together. Like these two feel unrelated. Do It just seemed like he was ignoring MJF at first, just throwing out his, his three letter, DDP, TNT, AEW. <laughs> There's a lot of acronyms. And, he's, and he was talking so slow. I was just like, geez. I did think it was funny that MJF was on his phone the whole time. <laughs> yeah, he looked legitimately bored. Yes. That's part of the whole situation. I wasn't crazy about DDP being out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, main event match is Jurassic Express against Best Friends. Um... Jungle Boy outwrestles Chuck Taylor early on. Marco Stunt gets in. This is the point where I forgot that they were in Missouri, which is uh, Marco Stunt's hometown state thing. I don't know if he's specifically from South Haven, but around that area. And this dude was over. Yes. Like Stone Cold Steve Austin, practically. (laughs) Uh, And he does some comedy with Trent. Uh, and we go to commercial break. Back from the break, 
and the best friends are working on Jungle Boy. Luchasaurus gets a hot tag and runs wild. Hot, well, as hot as it can be, tag to Orange Cassidy, who... (laughs) And I'm surprised... uh, I'm surprised that uh, Excalibur just called it this because it's Mark Andrews' name for it. But he hits the stun dog millionaire, the suplex counter into his stunner. Uh, (laughs) Hands in the pocket, suicide dive. And uh, this splash that he does off of the top rope, which I would like to call the shooting star 450. uh, Because it just evens out. It just evens out to him falling straight down. You're trying to backflip and frontflip at the same time. He just he just planks and falls. He just planks and falls over. So uh, the shooting star four fifty from Orange Cassidy gets broken up. Uh, match breaks down into a six way brawl. Uh, Jungle Boy reverses a pop up power bomb from Chuck Taylor into a Hurricane Rana and pins him. This was fun. What did you think yes. of it? It was a blast. I did not know that they were in Marco's hometown at first because I said the same thing. I'm like, damn, Marco is over. That Talk is Jericho interview did wonders for him. So, <laughs> <laughs> But that, that makes a lot more sense now that you say that. Huge. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I had a lot of fun with this match. I did note that JR screwed up the AEW name on commentary, calling A-W-E? Marco the biggest. AWE, the biggest little man in AWE. In awe. Uh, and aw, that's what you say when you see Marco. Aw, it's adorable. Yeah, <laughs> he is Mr. Fun um, Size. I had he is Mr. Fun Size. I had a lot of fun with this match. It, it was a blast to see and to let these guys go out and have the kind of match they like to have. I gave this one uh, three and a half stars. I liked it a lot. Oh, ah, okay. I did not like it quite. Again, it's a length thing. I, yes. I thought a lot of the stuff on the show was short, but they were doing a lot of angles on here. I understand uh, that, definitely. So I went with three. I liked it. I thought this was good. Uh, I think it could have been much better. But yeah, And there's a lot of, like, just as the match is going, it goes to commercial break, you know, that sort of thing. I feel like there's a lot of stuff we missed this week, and it was less of a wrestling-focused show, which is a shame because that's what I want. I want wrestling-focused shows. Um, the boys tell us that in two weeks... Jurassic Express will face the Inner Circle on a boat. Yes. It'll be part of the Jericho crew. So apparently this batch at, Bash at the Beach thing is a two-week affair. Next week in Florida, and then the week after that, on a literal boat in the ocean. Um, speaking of next week, they note that we're going to get Pac and Darby Allen. Holy shit, that could be great. Yes. We're also going to get Mel and Awesome Kong against Chris Statlander and Hikaru Shida. And we're going to get MJF and the Butcher and the Blade against the team of QT Marshall, Dustin Rhodes, and Diamond Dallas Page. Okay. All right. Sure. Uh, I will say this. Uh, somebody noted, I saw somebody write this on Twitter, and I thought it was really funny and worth, worth mentioning here. Um, if Dustin Rhodes is breaking out Canadian Destroyers in 2020... And DDP's on that DDP yoga shit. I want to see DDP bust out a 6.30 next week. Let's see it happen. (laughs) Hell yes. Uh, We got to make that work. Uh, Our main event of the evening. Chris Jericho and John Moxley talk. It's a main event segment, just like on Raw. Not what I want from AEW. And by the way, I look, get this over with 
quickly before I go into it. I thought these guys did this well. Mm. Like, I thought they did a good job of what they were doing. But this isn't exactly how I want to see John Moxley portrayed. And also, I don't like my shows to end with talking segments. Like, that's, that's, that's not my main event. Um, anyway, Jim Ross strangely hypothesizes. It's not stra- It's strange that he brought it up. But it actually makes a lot of sense. He hypothesizes that Moxley and Jericho may have essentially says they may have already talked this all out at Wrestle Kingdom. He notes that they were both in Tokyo at the Tokyo Dome wrestling this last weekend. And with them both at the show, they may have sat down and already talked out their plans. I'm like, that's really smart. Yes, they may have done that. Uh, Jericho, ha- Jericho said... It's Elvis's birthday, but that's not why today's important. And also, he'd kick Elvis's butt and says the Beatles are better. Uh, ask John Moxley one more time if he'll join. Moxley says a lot went into his uh, decision, more than anyone thought. He says that he doesn't want Chris Jericho's stuff. He can't be bought. He wants to dominate pro wrestling. He says that's why his answer is yes! And reveals an inner circle shirt. It's like custom made with like Mox's stuff on the inner circle shirt or whatever. They went to all this trouble. <laughs> uh, puts over Jericho huge. Jericho is glowing at this point. He's so happy, gloating, telling people, I told you he was going to say yes. They they grab the table is full of bubbly. They're spraying it everywhere. Uh Jericho is like, why aren't you cheering? This is great. Uh, at one point, Moxley looks dead in the camera and winks. So it's like blink if you blink and you miss it moment. But like as soon as he did that, I'm like, yeah, he's not really joining the group. And, I mean, I never thought he was joining the group. But at first I thought, oh, maybe they're going to do like a Daniel Bryan and the Wyatts thing where he just pretends to be with them for a while or something. Uh, but... Yeah, I figured this wasn't going to last very long. Uh, They celebrate even more. Uh, Jericho gives them the keys to the car that Moxley said he didn't want anyway. The crowd is buying this, Nick. You sold out, they chant at John Moxley. Uh, And they continue to celebrate. And uh, it looks like we're about done for the evening. Jake Hager and uh, Sammy Guevara get out of the ring to go jaw jack with fans. And Moxley says one more thing. He was kidding. He would never join the inner circle. He smashes Jericho in the head with a (laughs) bottle of bubbly and gives him a paradigm shift. And then he kills Sammy Guevara with a paradigm shift and takes off before Jake Hager uh, could get his hands on him. And our last shot of Jericho is Hager holding his corpse like Jericho is dead in his arms uh, (laughs) as Moxley escapes. And that's the end of the show. Like I said, I thought they did this well. There were it's not like there weren't moments of joy in it. There were, there was some genuinely fun moments in this, but boy, did this go on forever. And it was the end of the show. And I just don't like my shows to end with big talky angles, but the crowd seemed to really enjoy it. Uh, what did you think of the main event segment? I, I was, uh, I did not catch the part where you, uh, mentioned that he winked into the camera. I wish I would have, Mm -hmm. um, but I, 
I thought it was well done, like you said, very fun like segment. It was fun seeing Moxley ham things up a little bit because he's usually not like that or hasn't really been betrayed like that in AEW at all. So maybe I enjoyed that a little bit just because it was a little bit of a break. It seemed like he was letting his personality out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I did notice that it looked like he was supposed to hit Hager with another bottle, but the bottle broke as soon as he picked it up and he just ran out of the ring. Yes. So Luckily, there was no issue there. Um, he was able to get out before Hager actually got to him. But yeah, I thought it was fun. I did think it went on a bit long, like you said, like to the point of where there was at least three separate times where I'm like, oh, he's going to turn. Oh, never mind. And I kind of bought into it for a second. I was like, wow, they're actually doing this. I was they like, it's going to be yeah, a couple weeks of this. They did the thing where they milked it for so long. Eventually, you thought, well, maybe they're not going to do it right now. But then they did do it at the end. Yeah. So, fun segment, but yeah, went on a bit too long and kind of took some of the fun out of it at the end there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I don't know what they've done for AEW Dark this week. I haven't gone and looked, but uh, I suppose I could. Uh, but one one thing before we uh, one thing before we take off, uh, I really uh, enjoyed this uh, article from Variety. I don't know if you saw this, but um, this is a Variety... I don't know why they did this, but Variety did an article on the AEW versus NXT Wednesday Night Wars. Uh, where they actually... They go in, it's, it's nothing surprising, but... Uh, and they actually don't reveal anything here that isn't already known if you follow most of the bigger name uh, wrestling journalists, but... There's a lot of people out there who, for whatever one reason or another, think every wrestling journalist is just full of shit or whatever. So, just to verify all of this, uh, they do talk about AEW and NXT, not just their weekly ratings, uh, but they also talk about their uh, live plus seven numbers, which are the uh, live views plus uh, seven-day DVR viewing because a lot of people obviously DVR the shows and then watch them. And uh, if you watch the show on DVR within a certain amount of time after the live viewing, you get counted into the live views, and if not, you get plugged into the seven-day, you know, the the week later data uh, that comes out. And AEW, on average, live viewings plus DVR viewings, on average, they average about 1.2 million viewers a week. So... All of those people that are like, hey, they started with 1.4 million people. What happened to all of those people? Why aren't they watching anymore? Well, they are watching. They're just not watching it live, which is a problem. Uh, You know, we've said it before. Uh, The whole goal is to get them to watch it live because that's how you get better live TV ratings. And better live TV ratings mean better TV deals, which means more money for the company, which means more long-term company health, which is good in AEW's case. Uh, NXT only does about like, they almost do a million with the plus seven. They do like 972,000 on average. Um, this is on average starting from when they were going head to head with each other up until the end of the year, uh, of 2019. So on average, they were doing about that number. So sometimes they do higher, sometimes they do lower. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I just found it, uh, I found that whole thing interesting. Uh, that side of the business always interests me. I know there's some people who are like that. I don't care about that stuff. But 
I always find that stuff interesting. And in this case, I think it's important, at least for AEW. Uh, there are some weird people out there who seem like they just want the company to fail. I don't know why anybody would be like that. Um, but I want, you know, obviously I think we want them to succeed. It's nice to have a good, uh, alternative source for wrestling. It's good to have, it's good for the wrestlers to have another place to, to go to, uh, to apply their craft and whatnot. And, uh, on top of that, NXT can't fail. It doesn't matter. Like the worst thing that could happen to NXT is USA cancels them and they just go back to the network. Like how they've always been doing NXT. Like, NXT can't disappear. AEW, hypothetically, if they do bad enough, could get canceled and then could just disappear as a company. Uh, and that would be bad for the business. I think everybody should be rooting for them to succeed. I The question, the real question is, Nick, I don't know how you get people who DVR shows to watch them live. Uh, some people do it out of necessity, obviously. Like, they've got work or they don't have, you know, the time to do it, so they have to DVR it. But plenty of other people will have the time they just don't. Uh, they would rather skip through the commercials and et cetera, et cetera. And how you get those people to tune in live every week uh, beyond me, I'm not sure how I'm not sure how you do it. So, I wonder how that factors in with streaming too, because they have a live stream and you can watch it later, which is normally what I do. I normally watch it the next morning. I did watch it live last night, but I wonder if those numbers count in too. Yeah. Um. So, wait, wait, run that by me one more time. I think I know what you mean. Uh, wait, what was the question again? I was, <laughs> I was, looking, at these, I was, I was looking at these AEW Dark uh, results, so yeah. I was just wondering if um, if the streaming through the TNT website counts towards the live views because they have a live stream where you can watch it either on the East or West Coast channel, so you can watch it later live. And you can't, sk- and you can't skip channel, or you can't skip commercials or whatever. Yeah. Yes, I think those count. I believe those count towards the live views. And then they also make it uh, available on on demand later. That's normally how I watch it, but I uh, I was yes. able to watch it live this week, which is the preferred way because they're I don't know why they don't include the commercial stuff on demand. That's silly. Uh, by the way, uh, because of the big Memphis wrestling uh, legends thing that they're doing on Dark this week. Only two matches taped for Dark this week. Uh, Brandon Cutler and Darby Allen, And The Gun Club. Billy and Austin Gunn uh, take on the team of Sean Spears and Peter Avalon. <laughs> By the way, people on the internet have uh, taken to calling Austin Gunn Ass Boy. Ass Boy! <laughs> so, uh, hopefully... That sticks. You have ass man and ass boy. He's an ass boy. Bam, bam. I mean, they could do that song. It'd be a parody of ass man. They could get yeah. away with it. Uh, he's an ass boy. All right. So uh, that's the podcast for this week. Head on over to cinemageekly.com. Check out the archives of the show. And of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Just search for The Elitists. Hit subscribe. That way you can... Come back and hear us talk about more AEW Dynamite next week. The Bash at the Beach Edition featuring Darby Allen taking on the bastard pack. <laughs>